Welcome to the Epic Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Carol Walker. Each week, I get to talk to amazing women about their epic adventures in motherhood. I'm so glad you joined us. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, friends, and welcome to today's episode of the Epic Mom Podcast. My guest today is my friend, Christy Minton. She is the mother of six, and she has a son with type 1 diabetes. And today's show, she shares some of her struggles and also the tools that she uses to keep everybody happy and healthy in her family. I hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to the Epic Mom Podcast. Today, I have my friend, Christy Minton, joining me. And I guess we've only known each other for a little over a year. Is that right, Christy? Yeah, I think it's been. I think uh, right. Out feels of like longer. Mm-hmm. Feels like we were just immediate good friends, which I makes me so happy. I think we were. Yes. So, Christy, welcome to the show. And do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you. I'm honored. I've, I, you know, when you get invited to come to to talk to somebody on an epic mom broadcast it's just kind of an automatic honor so it's my oh you're so sweet well you are definitely an amazing mom for sure so I'm excited to hear all the things you have to share today well I am uh the mom of six I have five boys and one girl I um I'm a stay-at-home mom I um spend a lot of time there I have uh, my kids are homeschooled so we spend a lot of time together um I have a, a, a busy life. <laughs> yeah, you do. Well, right there, you said six kids. So that's what yeah, yeah. you say. Yeah. So um, have you always homeschooled? I have not. Um, actually, I was a public school teacher for a while and uh, taught for 10 years and uh, began having my family while I was a teacher. Um, I had the blessing of having my mother uh, as a as a, a babysitter, she watched after after my children for a while, and then when number four came, um, we decided it was time for me to come home, and uh, and so I came home and uh, we moved. Actually, we were we're originally from Kentucky, and we moved from Kentucky to Tennessee to just north of Nashville and lived there for thirteen years. So we, uh, when we moved there, we. Um, had our kids in an excellent uh, public school setting in element. They were all in elementary school at that point or not. We didn't have all of our children at that point, but um, they all came through the public school system in the uh, elementary school. That was our, you know, our elementary school. And and, uh, we gradually um, began to homeschool. We gradually pulled, uh, pulled one at a time based on their needs. And eventually, they all ended up at home. So we just, uh, we graduated one a few years ago, a couple of years, well, he's 21 now. So um, when he was 18, we graduated him. We have another one 18 now, and he's about to graduate. And uh, we have uh, children from 21 down to uh, 10. Down to 10. So your youngest has never been to public school? Yes, actually, he has. Oh, he did. Um, he yes, he was in public school for um, the first three years. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I am aware that your youngest Eli that he has some 
special challenges with being a diabetic. And I wondered if you could just talk about your journey of finding out about his diabetes and how that kind of impacted his childhood and the kind of the things that you've done and challenges you've faced. Sure. Yeah. Um, Eli was diagnosed as a type one diabetic when he was four years old. And, um, and that was, uh, wow, that was, that was a big, a big, uh, awakening for our family. <laughs> how, did, how could you tell, like, what made you know something was wrong? Well, he, um, we have always, my husband's father was a type one diabetic. And so we've always had it on our radar because one of the ways, you know, type one manifests itself. One of the reasons is because of genetics. So we've always kind of had that on our, on our back burner, um, to keep in mind. So we've always been watchful for, for symptoms, but, um, it, it still took us by surprise. Um, that's not something you ever really prepare for. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. um, but he was, uh, he was one weekend. It was at my mother's. He was at, uh, the grandparents house. They loved to stay. We, I grew up on a farm, so they loved to hang out on the farm. And, uh, he was there with my mom and he had spent, uh, spent the night there and she called me and she said, Christy, he's been really thirsty. He just, I cannot give him enough to drink. And that was a big, um, a big, you know, a red flag. So, you know, it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't atypical for him to be thirsty. He, you know, I always loved to carry around a beer or you know, a glass of milk right. or whatever. But when, when water became a treat, that was, um, kind of a, kind of a, okay, <laughs> we, yeah. we need to look at this. So, um, so we, anyway, I ended up making an appointment with his doctor, uh, with his pediatrician. It was about time for a well checkup anyway. And so I made an appointment with his pediatrician and we went in and, um, I mentioned to his pediatrician that I would like to have him check his blood sugar checked and he checked it and Eli was, um, his blood sugar level was at 500 and a normal pro, you know, a normal reading would probably have been you and I, our blood sugar would typically run probably around 80. Oh, Wow. So oh it, gosh, he was, he was, uh, and <clears throat> 500, it was actually, we caught it at a great time because many people who are diagnosed their, their blood sugar can go up to a thousand, you know? So he was, um, we caught it at a good time. And, um, and so we were, uh, admitted to Vanderbilt hospital in Nashville and we, um, from there were um, instructed on how to live with type one diabetes. And that's, that's wow. I'll began. So how, what does that look like? What does it look like to live with type one diabetes for a child? Well, um, Eli has been a, a, a superstar. He, he really has, but he's grown up with it now he's 10, you know, so he didn't really, he doesn't really remember, remember a lot about life before um, yeah. before he had diabetes. So, um, but it looks like uh, we have some excellent tools. He has, uh, an insulin pump and he has uh, a sensor that allows him to get his numbers to, to keep watch on his numbers. 
um, every five minutes, um, he will get a new reading for, you know, what is, what his blood sugar is, but it, it looks like, what does it look like? It looks like, um, always thinking before you put a bite in your mouth. Um, it looks like, um, always preparing if you are, are, uh, planning on exercising or doing anything, uh, athletic or doing anything that would expend energy. It looks like, um, checking your blood sugar. You know, I, he, before we had all the tools that we do, he would check his blood sugar, which would, would be a finger prick, uh, anywhere from five to 10 times a day. Oh, uh, ow. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he would have shots, um, four or five times a day. So he would have insulin injections and that's not fun for, you know, a four, yeah. five, six, seven, 10 year old, or for that matter, a 20 year old or a 50 year old. <laughs> no, that's just not but, fun. That's, no, but, uh, but he was, uh, but it's amazing how resilient children are. It's amazing to me, the community of type one diabetics that we've become acquainted with and the resilience of these kids, because they, once they have to deal with it, they know how to deal with it. And they, um, they, they buck up and they do what they have to do. Wow. But so for- what does it look like for a parent? <laughs> Cause I know well, you worry about him all the time. It, it is, it, it, it really is, Carol. It's a one, it's a, it is a worry. It's, um, for me, it looks like, um, waking up in the middle of the night frantic, you know, when you, when you first have a, a baby, you wake up at night and wonder, oh, you haven't, you haven't heard them cry. So you wonder if they're breathing. <laughs> you can't wait for them to sleep through the night, but then That's when, right. they do, you're panic. But when they do, you're, you're frantic because they right. well, for the parent of a type one diabetic, it's like that every night. Um, you wake up and you wonder if they're breathing. And it is very scary when you, when you wake up in the morning. You know, the first thing I do, I have a t- the tools that we have allow me to see his numbers on my phone. Okay. And so I keep my phone right by my bedside and, um, you know, and Daryl and I will monitor his numbers throughout the night. Um, so I, I don't sleep, I don't sleep, um, you know, soundly, um, I've, I've yeah. not to sleep soundly. And, uh, you know, there are times when, you know, I do sleep a little longer than I, than, than, I ordinarily would. And then I, you know, that frantic thought comes in your mind and you pop up and you grab that phone. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So do you have to get up in the night to then give him insulin in the middle of the night? Yes. At times you do. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. At times you do. Would that be like, would you anticipate, would you be like, well, today was a super active day because we did this, these physical activities. I'm definitely going to have to be up in the night or do you, is it just random and you don't know? Sometimes you can predict, um, for example, if Eli eats pizza, pizza is one of those meals that, that, that will cause your blood sugar to have a delayed high. And, um, and so if he eats pizza at seven o'clock at night or six o'clock in the evening, and he, you know, I know that, that come later on in, in the night, 
you know, I'm going to have to make sure that he has enough insulin to cover, um, to cover that high. So it depends on that, but diabetes doesn't play fair at all. Um, our, our blood sugar, what, what I didn't realize when I was first beginning this, this big long journey was that our blood sugar is, it hinges on so many, uh, factors. If he has, if he's hot, if he's cold, if he's, if he's sick, if he's had an active day, if he hasn't had an active day, if he's eaten pizza, if he's eaten, um, protein, if he's eaten, uh, you know, any, any number of things, if he has a bad dream, if he, Oh, wow. Sure. There's lots of things that, that affect our blood sugar. And so all of those factors, just an innumerable amount of variables multiplied by an innumerable amount of variables (laughs) gives you a lot of possibilities. So you don't know, um, you don't know really when, when, what is going to hit. So it's always, you know, um, you're kind of always on call. So I am aware that you, like, Eli's a super active social guy. Yeah. And so what are kind of some of the things that you've, that you've done to help him to lead as normal of a life as he can? Because I, 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 my observation is, is you, you make an effort to do that. It doesn't seem to be a thing that slows him down or is even much of a conversation topic. Although I know it is, but it it doesn't seem to be uh, well, you can't participate kind of a thing. Right. We have, um, we've always been very open um, about, about his diabetes with him and with others um, just as an awareness that, that it, that it is, um, it can be limiting if you allow it to be, but it's, it is one of the most, um, you, you become more aware of your body and you become more aware of your potential, uh, to accomplish things too. So the things that we really enjoyed, um, back a few years ago, we went to, um, Vanderbilt is fantastic about having different types of seminars and education, um, opportunities and just different fun things for the kids too, um, for them to do. And so we went to this all day, uh, seminar, I, I, it was workshops and information and all kinds of things, but there was a speaker there and, uh, he was a type one diabetic, but he had, um, he had done phenomenal things. He had crossed the, the Sahara self-supported he had uh, crossed the 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 Canada. He crossed Canada from point to point, from coast to coast. Wow! Uh, run, he had run um, Canada coast to coast. He, you know, had done all of these phenomenal things, and it was, you know, it was a really neat thing for for Eli to see um, because, you know, when it, we want him to know that he can do. All of them, yeah, that they can do what they decide they need to do. They need to pay attention to their bodies and they need to be sensible, but they need to, you know, that they, they, your mind can limit you if you allow it to. Yes. Yeah. So, how have you um, found that this has impacted your other children? Because I know when they come over to our house, like they look out for Eli, and I've been really impressed in watching them they know what's going on with him and they, and I don't know that every sibling does that for each other. 
they have um oh wow they they have stepped up to bat for eli a lot because um you know it it's uh your family is affected when you have um when you have a health issue like this it's not something that you that that you know that you that you take lightly but but they have, they've learned to be, you know, I, I have to rely on them some too. And I, and I want them to know that we have to be aware of people around us. And um, they've learned how to, um, you know, I, I have, you know, Ethan knows how to administer shots if, if he needed to do that. You know, Rachel can do um she can insert a sensor if, if that needs to be done. Eli is, has come of age where he knows basically how to take care of himself. There are a few things that, you know, that he still um, hasn't, you know, a few thresholds he hasn't crossed. But, yeah. uh, but we're watching for an appropriate time for that to happen. And, you know, a kid at that age still knows that he still has to know that you've got his back you know? Yes. And, and so, um, we have been, we have been gradually introducing him to, to more opportunities to take care of himself and to become more confident in taking care of himself. But also he knows that, you know what, mom's going to be up if, if, uh, if I've got a blood sugar low at night or, you know, or our dog will take care of it. <laughs> Mom. Okay. <laughs> So let's talk about the dog because I I love the dog. I love that's one of your tools, right? You've got your app on your phone and he's got his pump and then Gracie the dog. Yeah, we do. We have a diabetic alert dog. Um, She's her name is Gracie and she is um, pretty fantastic. We um, we when we first uh, when when Eli was first diagnosed, you know, you you are just scouring every piece of information you can get trying to find out how to deal with this. And, um, and so I ran across, um, I I didn't even know really that diabetic alert dogs existed. I just hadn't thought that through. I I hadn't been introduced to that concept. So, right. Well, if you, if you don't, I mean, why would you be right? right. If if that's not your reality then, but I am amazed that they exist, but I think it's amazing. It is pretty phenomenal. It is pretty phenomenal. We, um, so I, I ran across just by chance ran across a website where, uh, diabetic alert dogs were, you could actually purchase a trained diabetic alert dog. And, uh, but they were very, 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 very expensive because someone, you know, our, our dog rather that's trained, uh, to, to save lives is, <laughs> you know, expensive. it's expensive. So, um, I have, I just kind of really began to dig in to the research on that. And I found actually a, a trainer, um, who, I, who just happened to be in our back door. And, uh, we, we had, um, an acquaintance who, um, who, who had, um, golden doodles. And so we, our acquaintance, we, we got a golden doodle from them. And, um, 
And after research, after research and finding out that that was a, a you know, a, a good breed to have with children and a good breed, you know, to, uh, to train and, you know, met all the, all the requirements, I guess. And then I found this trainer, uh, in my backyard, almost, she was, uh, she was, I say in my backyard, she was about an hour and a half away from us. Um, but she had trained, um, dogs who had done the search and rescue for the 9-11. Uh, oh, wow. And so she had moved uh, to our area or close, not far from us. And she, how she came in, uh, how she came to be a diabetic alert dog trainer was that her daughter was diagnosed with type. She began to train uh, diabetic alert dogs. So we made contact with her and she taught us and we did some training with Gracie and Gracie was a natural and she began um, learning about Eli. And before we knew it, she was alerting uh, when he would go low or when he would go high, she would alert us and her, uh, her, her kind of procedure, I guess, for alerting us was that she would get really, really antsy if he were, running high or low, um, she would get really, uh, just really nervous and she would pace, she would pace back and forth and back and forth. And that's what she does. We know that we, that she either needs to go to the bathroom or she needs to <laughs> tell us that he is, he's, you know, having blood sugar issues. So she'll pace back and forth and back and forth. And the only time that she is allowed to paw us is if, Eli is high or low. So she'll pace back and forth and back and forth. And then if she tags us, we know that something's up. And so that's how um, she's been. She's been instrumental. She's been, she's been a lifesaver, a very literal lifesaver for us. Because sometimes technology, as wonderful as it is, uh, fails. And we have had a couple of times when that's happened. And she has gotten us out of bed and, and she's shared with us that we need to go tend to our baby. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Cause I was wondering like with all the other technology that you have and such, but um, you just, you can't beat the, the nose of a dog, I guess. <laughs> well, it's pretty fascinating because she will actually at times she'll, she'll uh, alert us long before the technology will up to 20 minutes before the technology will. Oh, wow. And so it's pretty fascinating uh, to watch because our, our bodies emit an odor when we, um, that's not detectable that we can't detect, but, but it, it emits an odor that, um, that the blood sugar has changed and she can detect that odor very quickly. That is amazing. Yeah. Pretty, what, pretty, what a blessing crazy. to have, to have her. That's, that's awesome. Plus a companion too. Cause she's a really, she's a very pleasant dog. She's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. The kids, I like her. You know, sometimes we forget that she works. <laughs> right. <laughs> she's here to do a job. Yeah. yeah. So she sleeps in with Eli then I assume. So she, she can... sleeps, she sleeps kind of here and there, but she can detect, she can detect a change um, 
she's been outside before and detected a change inside and vice versa. He has been outside and she has been inside and she gets crazy if she can't get to him and he's low, but she, you know, she doesn't have to be in the same room. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I had heard a story once that a diabetic dog had alerted the mom and the child was at school and the dog was at home. That's crazy. Right. And I think the school was like across the street or something like that. But I'm just like, that's, that's amazing. Like, how do they know? I don't, it's crazy. that's amazing. <laughs> so, um, what do you do? Cause that is, that's a lot to, that's a lot to live with every day, all day long, that kind of worry, concern, and, um, that can take a toll. So what do you do to kind of rejuvenate yourself to be able to be the kind of mom you want to be? I, um, I do a couple of things. I, I enjoy, I I love a good book. So I do try to get some, some time to myself to do reading. I, um, I do, uh, I like, I I say I like to exercise. I really don't like to exercise at all. (laughs) Just just keeping it real. But you like how you feel. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell the truth. (laughs) The feeling of the endorphins um, afterwards. So I, you know, if not for that, I don't think anyone would ever exercise. Ah, I mean, yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would. <laughs> but um, and then I, 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 that's my therapy. Say that again, because that didn't come through. You love to what? I love to write. Oh, to write? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's your therapy. That's- okay. I love historical fiction and I love, um, I love to explore, um, just life as it, as it has been in the past for other people. And in, in historical settings, one of my favorites is World War II. So I, I, um, I think that's just the, just a great, it's an, it's an era of great people. And I agree very many inspiring stories from that time period. Yeah. yeah. Well, I super appreciate you joining me today on the Epic Mom podcast and sharing all of your insight and encouragement to all those other moms out there that have a challenge with type one diabetes and also just challenges and how you've overcome them and, and how things work out when we are looking for them. I'm, I really appreciate your, your insight and encouragement. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Carol. My pleasure. Wow. Didn't you just love that conversation? I felt so encouraged and inspired. One of the things I love that Christy talks about is how she just researched and worked and started digging for answers and help to take care of her son. And that was such a good example to me. Um, We're never powerless in the midst of challenges. We have opportunity to dig and learn and ask questions and educate ourselves. And when we do, we'll find solutions. I hope you enjoyed this show as much as I did. Make it an epic day. Tune in next week when I talk to my dear friend, Rebecca Greer. She is so fun. It's an episode you won't want to miss.